0: Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Now to a distressing part of recent Australian history, with some important lessons for us all to understand, especially those in the Christian community. A few days ago, the New South Wales government made a formal apology to those mothers and babies who'd fallen victim to what they call forced adoption in Australia in the 50s, 60s and 70s. It's been a long time coming. Lots of these mums were single who'd fallen pregnant at a young age, and authorities often tricked them into signing away their newly born children. Some have met up later in life. For many others, that wrenching gap in their lives remains. Jenny Mendez was adopted in 1969. She was there for the apology, and I reckon it's a really important thing for us to hear her story and the stories of many others. And those lessons. Jenny, welcome to Open House. Thanks, Lee. It's great to see you and meet you. In my other job at Sky News, we put the apology to air, live to air, and I must say, I found it a profoundly moving thing, though I'm sure it's nothing on what it was like being there.
1: Absolutely. Everybody was finding it a a very emotional day. I I was very anxious on the train, and I haven't been anxious like that in a long time, Um, so it brought back a lot of familiarity in that sense as well. Um, It was a very solemn occasion, obviously, for everybody.
0: Why do you think he was so anxious?
1: I think it brought back um, a lot of familiarity. During that era, the standard practice was for the babies to be removed at birth, um, which was very traumatic for the mums, obviously. And the babies didn't have that normal bonding time with their mother or anybody for that first, usually about a month. And I was pretty much the standard. I was at four weeks. I was taken to my adoptive family. There have been more studies recently, I think, that have shown that that first few weeks of life is is very crucial for um, your development and it, it can create a lot of anxiety in the person when they don't have that proper bonding and that comfort and nurture during the first few weeks. As
0: I said in the intro, it's been a long time coming, this apology, hasn't it?
1: It has, yeah.
0: Why has it taken so long, do you think?
1: There's been a, a lot of people that have been advocating for a long time. Um, I know they did make some changes in New South Wales. They opened people's records So we were able for the first time to search for our blood family. So in my early 20s at that stage I was, I went in and applied for the original birth certificate.
0: I wonder if the authorities have to be kind of drag kicking and screaming to a certain extent to this kind of position.
1: There has been some resistance, but I think as the generations have, it's a different generation, so there's a different perception. Back then it was a very punitive attitude to single mothers in general. And also there wasn't, Um, a lot of what they call duty of care for anyone.
0: Very different age. Yeah. Why was the apology so important? There might be those who would say, this is ancient history. Why is it so important in 2012?
1: For most or all of the people that attended, I think it's symbolic of closure. It's symbolic of not being ashamed. It's symbolic of standing up and being counted and saying, yes, we did live through that. And it's very important to be able to go and talk to the people that represent the government, and it's a very moving thing to have them stand up and approaching it from a perspective of it shouldn't have happened. Yeah, Um, and it
0: wasn't your fault. Exactly. I can imagine that that's a powerful...
1: Yeah, especially the mothers never deserved the treatment that was meted out to them, not one iota, and especially people that were relinquished for adoption or were taken for adoption... They were um, the innocents. Yes. You you don't ask to come into the world and you don't ask for the circumstances that you come in.
0: So tell us something of your story. You were an adopted child, 1969, as I said.
1: I was raised in a very good home. My parents lived in rural New South Wales. As I said, I did go through periods where I suffered a lot of anxiety and I wasn't quite sure what that was about. But since I've connected with other adoptees on Facebook groups in the last year, I've noticed there's so many similarities with our stories. Wow. Um, a lot of us have been through times where we've been very anxious. Obviously, there's a lot of rejection issues. The rejection is something that tends to get focused on a lot in church for obvious reasons, Yes, Um, and it's a huge thing, especially if you don't know the circumstances. And I think the apology is very healing in the sense that it explained your mother didn't necessarily give you up. She didn't necessarily decide that she didn't want you.
0: So what happened with your mum?
1: She was also from rural New South Wales, um, further north than where I was. She'd moved to Sydney for employment and she met a guy from New Zealand who was about two, three years older than her. And in her situation, when she got pregnant, he decided that he wasn't in it and he disappeared out of the picture as quick as he could. She was young? She was young. She was 19. From what I've got on on the file records, her mother thought adoption was the best thing. And I know for a lot of the girls back then or the, the young mothers back then, family... Pressure and family um, opinions had a lot to do with it because single mothers' benefits weren't known and there were some benefits available which weren't publicised and that was a huge part of their situation that they didn't know that they could get help.
0: And it was a very different era in the late 60s. Absolutely. An era of judgement and
1: shame. Yeah, that's the thing that I found very emotional was seeing these beautiful ladies that had been through so much shame and the unbelievable things they must have gone through with the treatment that I've heard about from hospital people and um, some of the homes that they stayed in and things like that, it's just come full circle that they're they're able to stand proud and say, you know, we didn't deserve it.
0: It's very important. Yeah. You've made contact with your mum in later life. Yeah. But only a limited contact.
1: I have. um, And she has explained partially in her letter, she's explained that she does suffer a lot of shame. She's very apologetic, which I don't really think she needs to be apologetic. Because she's traumatised She's been through so much um, So she has a lot of problems um, Coming to terms with her past And trying to integrate that into her family now I mean, it's been several years now Since I wrote to her The last time she wrote back She said, don't give up hope You know, we may meet one day But she said, I just can't bring myself To break the secrecy with my children She said, I'm worried they're going to judge me it's such a cloud past. that she continues to live on
0: that It is yeah.
1: And I believe she's a Christian as well
0: it's hard for people who've not been part of the adoption process to understand the breadth of issues. For instance, adoptees are quite overrepresented in prisons, in mental health facilities, a lot of health issues. With
1: yeah, you. absolutely. And the mothers as well, the ones I've spoken to, a lot of them are on medication because of post-traumatic symptoms and this kind of thing, so they need that kind of thing to function.
0: And you say there are particular challenges... For the Christian community about this issue?
1: Yeah. I do know that it's something that tends to be shrouded in silence. I've only been open about it on the internet, in the Facebook community. Now and then I'll put little articles up on my Facebook page, and it's interesting that the people that I thought might say something have said nothing. I didn't quite know what to think about that. I didn't know whether I should take it personally. I didn't know whether I should think that they're just scared to broach the subject because they don't want to open a can of worms, and I think that's a huge thing. Yes. I think also because there's such a history of the church as being associated with past practices with adoption, it's a very sensitive subject and they don't want to say the wrong thing and offend the wrong person.
0: But there's a great opportunity for the church to look after people in this circumstance. absolutely Show them the love that Jesus would.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that I was thinking about, what am I going to say today? I'd... I thought, I don't know what Lee's going to ask me. (laughs) But I thought one of the things that really has been on my heart for a long, long time is, you know, the question, what would Jesus do? Yes. Everywhere you look in the scriptures, he didn't condemn people. He didn't shut them up. He listened. You know, he cared for them. God's a God of justice. And that's the thing that really stands out to me is if we represent Jesus, we need to be advocates for people that can't stand up for themselves. We need to be advocates for people that... Um, have been so wounded that they don't know how to um, even express the depth of the pain they're going through, you know, and meet them where they're at.
0: I'm sure there are a lot of people with all ears to what you're saying. So what would you say to them about how to care?
1: If you're in pastoral care of any kind, I think you really need to educate yourself about the history. I think you really need to educate yourself about the mistakes that have been made by the churches in the past and not say things maybe well meaningly but not having the background knowledge to know what you're saying because sometimes your words can do a lot more harm than good. You might think you're being very sympathetic and you might just say the wrong thing or presume something about the situation if you don't know the details or you don't know the history. And um, it drives people away.
0: And genuine love will cover a lot of that.
1: Absolutely. And listening. My husband and I had a very um, interesting background before we came back to church. I was raised in a church you know, my husband was far from church when I met him and so was I. But um, one of the things that always struck me when someone would ask me, what do you need from me? I'd always feel like all I want from you is your time. I want you to take the time to listen to me. I want you to take the time to hear my story and really understand me. And and there's a lot of people that have been traumatised that may not have thought about this for a long time, or they may have tried very hard not to think about it for a long time, probably people in churches right now that may have buried it, like my first mum did, and that's what she does to function. As I said, with the people that attended the apology, it's raised a lot of emotions. A lot of the people I've spoken to about it are going through a lot of emotional turmoil they haven't been through in a long time because it's bringing up so many emotions from their past. But I'm thinking, how much more are the people suffering who haven't even started to deal with it? because it's suddenly it's out there in the open. People are talking about it. The media is raising it. They would not have a clue um, what to do with what they're feeling right now.
0: I'm sure you've raised a great deal of interest about it tonight, as it has been over this last week. So important and so important that we put this on. Jenny, thank you so much indeed for sharing your story, having the courage to come here Thanks and share that. it with our audience.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.